0: is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy award-winning journalist
1: Linda Moulton Howe. Recently, I received the following email from a Southern California resident who follows my work in Earth Files and radio. Quote, I have information on a UFO occurrence at a large Air Force base in Central California while I was on active duty there. If you are interested, let me know. Thanks, Steve, in Southern California. Quote. I learned that Steve was born and raised in San Diego, where he graduated from high school in 1966 and went right into the U.S. Air Force. After basic training in security police duties, he was first assigned to Kunsan, Korea for 18 months. Korea was followed by a tour of duty at Vandenberg Air Force Base near Santa Maria, California, northwest of Santa Barbara. Steve was there from 1967 to 1970. He told me that since he and several other U.S. Air Force security men watched an otherworldly aerial machine amid a greenish-blue beam... On a brand new C 5 at Vandenberg. He has never talked to anyone about the experience. Steve said the day after the encounter, he was ordered by a United States Air Force Office of Special Investigations Colonel, quote, You did not see anything. Close quote. But now at age 60, Steve says all humans deserve the truth and agreed to talk with me in a recorded phone interview. Quote, because I think overall the people have a right to know more than what the government is just keeping to themselves, close quote. Here now is former U.S. Air Force security airman, Steve.
0: We got orders over the radio to meet with a uh, incoming C-5 Galaxy transport plane that was due to arrive at night at the air base. And we were to meet up with it to provide additional security for some reason, they assigned the priority of this jet coming in. They, they considered it a hot cargo. When you get a call that you got a hot cargo coming in, that's something pretty important that they need security for. We saw the plane land. It came up to where it was assigned to be parked on the tarmac. We went over there after the plane secured, and we met up with the onboard security police personnel. They had four or five security police officers with the plane, guarding whatever the cargo was. So they invited us to come into the plane, because this was a brand new C-5 Galaxy just came out. and was just flying in the Air Force, and it was a gigantic military plane. Mm -hmm. So we went over and went inside, and I noticed while I was in there that the only cargo that was in the plane was two wooden crates that weren't real big they might have been about three feet high and about ten feet long stacked on top of each other and there was nothing else in the whole plane. It's just these two crates. And after they showed us around for a few more minutes we went back outside and we were outside for about maybe a minute or two then all of a sudden we noticed dropping down from the sky was this craft that had absolutely no sound to it. Came straight down And I would guess that it was about 500 yards away from us at about 300 feet. And it just sat there.
1: What was the shape and color?
0: Hard to determine. The only thing you could definitely make out was two orangey-red glowing lights that were on opposite sides of each other. Maybe they could have been a few hundred feet apart. Then it went up into almost like a wishbone shape, had a spear at the top of it. You could make that out. It looked to be some type of silvery alloy material it was made out of.
1: What time of day or night would this have been? This was now getting to
0: be around 9.30 or quarter to 10 at night.
1: Dark sky?
0: Yeah. It was a cloudless night. It was very dark. There was really no moon out or anything.
1: Was the very first thing that you saw coming down from the sky, the red-orange lights separated from each other?
0: Yeah, but they seemed to be attached to a frame that went vertically up into the sky.
1: It came down about how close?
0: Maybe three, 400 feet off the runway, about that height. And it must have been at least 500 to six, 700 yards away.
1: Were you seeing enough in reflected light to get a sense of the size?
0: You know, right now in my mind, I can see it clearly. It was probably eight, 900 feet in length, vertically going up and going across it might have been three four hundred feet it was pretty good size from those two glowing red lights the distance between them viewing it from the ground it looked to be anywhere from three to four hundred maybe five hundred feet between the two orbs of light
1: how far from where you're standing to the closest point on whatever this craft is
0: Well, I'm using the main runway. It was situated right over the main runway. And the main runway from the tarmac and the parking area where the jet was, was a good uh, probably about 1,000 feet from where we were standing right next to the galaxy.
1: Is this hovering close to the runway? Or how much distance is there between the runway and the bottom of whatever this is?
0: It was pretty much over the runway as far as being perpendicular to it.
1: Okay. How many of you are watching this?
0: Well, there was the three of us plus the four, I think there was four, it could have been five, other security police personnel that were assigned to fly with the plane. Okay, so about nine of us.
1: And are you all watching this and you don't hear a sound?
0: No, it's absolutely silent. It surprised us when it came into our sight. It just came straight down without any sound. The only reason we knew it was there because we could see it dropping down and then it stabilized at about 500 feet above the ground.
1: And what were you all saying or yelling to each other?
0: Nothing, nothing. We were all just totally in awe that we didn't... I don't remember saying anything while we were watching it to anybody. I don't remember hearing anybody talking to anybody else. We were all just stunned. You see something that totally is so uncharacteristic of anything you you normally see, just to appear right in front of you is pretty astounding.
1: What did happen?
0: Okay, from that point, it was in its hover position. It turned on a beam of light that shined onto the plane itself. It didn't shine on us, it shined on top of the plane. The new C-5? Yes, it did. Directed its beam, like a laser beam, onto the C-5 itself, like it was aiming it right towards the cargo bay area.
1: And, Steve, what color was that beam and about how wide was it?
0: Um, Color, I remember, as a greenish-blue. It wasn't much wider than the plane itself. So the plane was probably about 25 feet wide. So I'd put it at about 25 feet, the width of the beam. You know, the cargo bay itself... Not the wings and so forth; just the fuselage of the plane. That's what I'm talking about. That's what it directed its beam on, towards the middle of the C-5.
1: And that's where those two containers were. That you, yeah,
0: would... roughly in that area.
1: And what happens?
0: It shined the light on for about ten seconds, and then the light went out completely. And then, after that, within a, seem like a few seconds, the UFO just went very quickly right back up into the sky vertically and just disappeared.
1: And do you guys run over to the C-5 and run in to see what's happened to those two pieces of cargo?
0: No, we didn't. But the security police that were assigned to the plane did. They went back inside. Then they came out and said that they would be leaving shortly and it was time for us to leave as well.
1: Did you hear whether or not they tried to look inside the containers? Did you hear anything that was anomalous about what might have happened inside of that C-5?
0: Before the UFO showed up, we were talking. I asked the one sergeant who was in charge of the detail, I asked him, well, where are you guys going from here? He says, we're going to Groom's Lake. Now, that's what Area 51 is called now. Right. But back then it was called Groom's Lake. He said, they're going to Groom's Lake. Well, I had no idea where that is. I said, well, where's that? He said, it's somewhere in Nevada. So I do remember him saying that. So whatever this hot cargo was, the next stop was over there to Groom's Lake.
1: Did anybody ever talk to you, even in rumor, about what was in those containers that the UFO seemed to be so interested in that it put a beam of light down on this new C-5, where you all knew that there were just two containers in there.
0: No, nobody ever told me uh, anything about what the contents were. We didn't have a need to know, for one thing. We were there only to provide a little additional security while the plane was on the ground. But... When all this was over, we went back to our uh, headquarters because it was another 40 minutes or so before we would to get off duty and another crew was to come on and take over. We reported the incident to our flight sergeant. He took notes. That was it for the night, so we left and we got off duty. Well, the next day, I was on duty again from 4 to 12, but I was on a different assignment. I was working entry control point at one of the base entry points. And after I was on duty for about two hours, a Air Force staff car came up to where I was working the gate. And this person got out dressed in a civilian suit and came over and showed me his identification. He was a colonel from the OSI, which is Office of Special Investigation. And he's in plain clothes. And uh, he said, are you such and such? I said, yes, I am. I said, do you want to know about the UFO incident? He just said, you didn't see anything. To make sure I understood, he said, you didn't see anything, did you? I said, no, sorry, I didn't. So he turned around and he left. And that's the last I uh, ever had any incident with this UFO sighting.
1: Did you talk with any of your buddies or anybody else off the record about that conversation and about what in the world was this huge thing that came into the C-5?
0: The other two guys that were with me, I don't ever remember talking to them about what we saw. I don't have any recollection of running into them again. And the fact that the OSI officer, he didn't even want to hear my account, tells me he already knew what transpired. They already know what happened. So he didn't want to hear anything I had to say. He just wanted to make sure I didn't want to repeat it to anybody.
1: And this separation of people who have had encounters in a military context with something that would fall into the category of UFOs? Yeah. It is almost like standard operating procedure. Separate those eyewitnesses around the world, send them to separate bases so they won't compare notes.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought they must have been reassigned somewhere else rather quickly. Or maybe they didn't want to cooperate with uh, the OSI. But being a very young person at the time, and this was a colonel from the OSI giving you a direct order, I wasn't about to uh, tell him, no, I want to talk about it. I went along with the program at the time.
1: If you had said to the colonel from the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, sir, why are you telling me that I didn't see what I saw? What do you think would have happened?
0: Oh, I would have probably been disciplined if not given a uh, discharge. They made it very clear that if you don't cooperate, you're going to be dealt with severely. It isn't too often that you get a colonel to come to see you from OSI. I mean, they have captains and majors as well, but this was the colonel himself from this OSI. And that's the first time I ever dealt with anybody from OSI. I knew they were on the base, but I didn't have any direct contacts with them.
1: So it was to intimidate you to keep your mouth shut.
0: Yeah, basically, that's what it kind of came to. You didn't see anything, and if you try to talk, well, it's not going to be too good for you.
1: What residue are you left with thinking about our government, its policies, the OSI colonel's order that you didn't see what you saw?
0: Well, I have to believe that it was an alien craft of uh, another world, I think it wanted to track or keep an eye on the contents of what was in that plane. It was apparent that it was something that belonged to them. And it was just tracking the plane. And also, it was keeping an eye on its... Hot cargo. (laughs) Its hot cargo, yeah, basically. Uh, Like I said, I think it's something that belonged to these alien people. And I got to believe that the craft that we saw was being controlled by intelligent beings, not of this world, because we have nothing and still don't have anything that could perform the way this particular craft did, especially being totally silent, making no noise whatsoever.
1: And being so
0: huge. Yeah, it was a pretty good size.
1: The fact that a beam went down and then the C-5 was checked by security and then it went away suggests that something was not removed but was allowed to go to Groom Lake Area 51.
0: Yeah, it sure seems that way. Or maybe they turned something off or they manipulated something that was in those containers. It's hard to say what the purpose of the beam of light was for. I think overall the people have a right to know more than the government keeping it to themselves.
1: Why do you think a policy of silence by our government and other governments would go on for so long?
0: Well, because they've lied to us for so long, it's it's almost impossible for them to come out and say they lied to us for 50 years now, or, or even longer. And I think the governments are afraid that they won't be able to control the populations. And the governments are working somehow with the aliens for whatever information they're exchanging. And the government Has enough to do with that. Now they don't need the world population to be demanding that the armed forces of the world protect them from the aliens. I don't think they want that on top of what they're doing now as well. It'd be too much for the government to handle.
1: In my book, Glimpses of Other Realities High Strangeness, Chapter 2 is entitled Light Beams, Disks, and Animal Deaths. The chapter contains another military encounter with an unidentified aerial object that emits a highly strange beam that moves up and down like an elevator, detaching from a disk in the sky, lowering to the ground, and then going back to the disk in the sky with what appeared to be a human in the moving beam. This incident occurred nearly four decades ago in April 1974, when a Fort Stewart Army man named Derek Smith had gone to a local drive-in outdoor movie with his wife and baby in Hinesville, Georgia. It was a clear night, and Derek and his wife noticed a bright light moving slowly downward in the sky that eventually went behind the movie screen. The light reappeared and started going through colors from white to red to orange to yellow. Then the light slowly descended over trees to an altitude of approximately 300 to 400 feet. At that distance, the Smiths thought the light looked disc-shaped. Derek told me, quote, "...after the disc remained motionless for approximately two to three minutes, it shot a blue light beam from under its center. The blue beam slowly descended to the ground like an elevator. Then the top of the beam detached itself from the round object so that the whole beam descended to the ground." When the blue beam apparently reached the ground, a pure white light beam shot up rapidly to the disk, appearing as a tube from ground to disk. Then the white beam began to move upward toward the disk like an elevator. The Smiths realized, quote, there was something floating upward in that white beam of light. Derrick said his first impression was that the object was a person in the beam because, quote, I could clearly see four long appendages like arms and legs, and one short appendage like a head. After the white beam reached the disk, the aerial light sat there for some time, spinning in different colors. Then a smaller object approached the light rapidly, emerged with the larger light. A few minutes later, the larger light descended to almost treetop level and slowly meandered off to the northeast until it was out of sight. Derek Smith notified his superior officers the next day. Even though Derek was U.S. Army, he received a visit from a U.S. colonel in the Air Force who wanted to know the details, but ended up telling Derek Smith, quote, "'What you saw the other night was real. You really saw that, and I wanted you to know so you would not think you're going nuts or something.' I can't tell you anything more about it. Close quote. Derek Smith told me, quote, It wasn't like he didn't have the information. I realized he wasn't allowed to tell me. Close quote. I asked Derek if he personally had any doubt that we're dealing with a non human intelligence, and he answered, No.